ironoverload.io presents Iron Overload No Bullshit Podcast with your co-host Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the UG info like you've never heard before. No bullshit, no lies, straight hardcore truth. A bodybuilding podcast like you never heard before. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, ironoverload.io hardcore episode 12 we're going right along on this one today we're going to be talking about nandrolone phenylpropionate npp which is the short acting version of nandrolone steve schmee aka steve smith and the mobster joining me from across the pond what's up all right there stevie boy as you know i am a big fan of deca for a variety of reasons uh, NPP is not something I specifically use, but like Steve said, quicker in, quicker peak, quicker out. So, yeah, this is one we're going to get into, and we're going to address some of the decker points associated with NPP as well. Yeah, so nandrolone, basically nandrolone, phenylpropion, you have two, two main types of nandrolone that are sold by sources. You have the decadurabolin version, the nandrolone decanate, which has a 15-day half-life. This shorter-acting nandrolone, which is the one we're going to talk about today, nandrolone, Phenylpropion NPP has only a four and a half day half-life. So right off the bat, what is the difference between the two? Well, when you talk about four and a half day half-life, I always have a general rule of about five, multiplying it by five, which is when it reaches peak levels in your body. So if you take 4.5 multiplied by five, NPP will be peaking in your body, assuming you inject it on a correct regular schedule, which should be about three times a week. And you'll have after about 22 and a half days, it yeah. reaching peak in your body. So that's not long. So three weeks into it, you're reaching peak in your body. Now the long acting nandrolone, which most people are familiar with, we're talking 75 days to reach peak in the body. That is a long time. So that's, that's like over 10 weeks for it to reach peak in your body. So then the advantage of running NPP is it's into your system quicker and it's out of your system when you stop it also quicker. So you can recover much easier from it. If something goes wrong on cycle and you want to stop using it, you can stop using it. It'll be out of your system much faster than running the long version nano. So nano and funnel appropriate. Look, at the end of the day, it was been, been around a long time. We're talking at least since the 60s, introduced for therapeutic use. Um, look, during the golden age of bodybuilding, they loved using nandrolones back then. Um, the reason they liked using nandrolones is because they had low androgenic issues. They had low side effects. They were mild. They did not aromatize into estrogen. And that was huge in those days because they didn't have access to anti-estrogens, estrogen blockers and all that good stuff that we have access today. So for them using a nandrolone would have been better than using testosterone for that reason. So it's like testosterone, but it's got a structural change. And the modification of that testosterone hormone was changed to make it more anabolic and less androgenic, very, very, very less androgenic. And you're not going to get that heavy 
aromatization as you would, it's going to aromatize a fifth as much or a fourth as much, somewhere in there, as much as straight testosterone. So technically, you don't even need an AI when you run DECA, if you were to technically run DECA, you know, by itself. So, um, and listen, at the end of the day, were they using NPP? Not really. They were using the long ester of the nandrolone back in those days, because another big taboo in those days was needles injecting. Because back then, look, if you had needles around your house and you're injecting yourself, you were considered a junkie in those days. Drugs was really looked frowned upon back in those days during the 60s and 70s. And they were putting people in prison for a long time for using drugs, especially in the United States. That was, you know, that's that was the era where the war on drugs really, really started. So it was really taboo to be injecting yourself very often. So if you could get away from injecting yourself with the long ester nandrolone, decadurabolin, once a week or even once every two weeks, that would be a hell of a lot easier than having to inject two, three times a week with the short acting NPP. So but NPP in the past 10, 20 years has caught up to decadurabolin because people really enjoy Mobster having that quicker effect in the body and having it out of your system quicker as well, which will really make it easier to recover from, from after your cycle. I'll jump in here, Steve. Something that you say. Can you imagine, guys, I, I've never, uh, again, it was a Sustecca cycle, so I knew then other forms of testosterone, such as you know, is multiple esters at the same time as DECA and getting all the wonderful benefits from, from those two combined. But there's no, I can't think of anything where I'd want to run 75 days to get you know that the in and out of the system and that's just crazy because when i came off these 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 the sustain the decade together dropped quite a bit of weight specifically i think from the susty and again it was one of those times when i wasn't trying to retain a load of tissue from 280 to 300 pounds something i want to address here steve which i think is super super important and it doesn't matter whether it's on mpp the shorter acting version or decker on the long acting version now uh DECA by reputation, and I'll address DECA because the same thing applies, is this idea, uh, and, and the article that we were using as a reference here actually refers to it. There's a suggestion in studies only that there is some uptake of collagen synthesis. And what that essentially means is that your fascia, your connective tissues, et cetera, and to a smaller degree, uh, protein in the muscles, there's a small increase. But it seems to only really happen in the science studies versus what you and I would call a real world, Steve. And that's the difference between pharmaceutical medically prescribed situations in a controlled study versus athletes using performance enhancing levels, which are always going to be higher dosages and in the real world. So what does that mean in, in, in simple terms, guys? If you have an injury, and I'm thinking, for example, Steve, a real good example we see this a lot and we see examples with myself and on the forums. If you've got issues with your shoulder joint, it can be other joints, but I'm just using this as an example, guys. And you decide to use either DECA or MPP because you've heard that in a study, it helps with that collagen synthesis. It helped with injury repair. In reality, Steve, performance enhancing terms, it doesn't. As Steve said in a pre-show, if you've got bulging discs, it's not going to fix your disc. If you've got a worn or broken shoulder, it's not going to fix your shoulder. It's, it's just not. What it will do and what both MPP and DECA will do, and again, this is great for in a situation 
is his reduction in pain. And indeed, just this week on one of the forums, came up with a, one of the members very thoughtfully posted up a study and it said, uh, this is DECA study, see what you guys think. And the specific thing that caught my eye, speed reading through the study, the controls, how they did it, et cetera, down to the results was that the perception of reduction in pain, I believe was around 70%, Steve. It was towards the older users, which we're gonna get into very momentarily. Uh, but that's a feeling or a sensation on the pain measure on a scale of one to 10, one being no pain and 10 being God awful, shoot me now. Uh, any drug that's reducing pain in guys with injuries, et cetera, et cetera, is going to be a good thing. But it's, again, that perception of a reduction in pain versus actually fixing the joint. So, guys, as always in this situation, masking the pain, taking the pain away, doesn't mean that the issue has been resolved. So you will feel good on DECA. You'll feel, there's even an argument, I believe, Steve, for a small increase in synovial fluids for the lubrication. But it will come back to normal after the fluid will come out of the, the joint, the pain will go back to normal levels, and the joint, especially if you've been pounding away in the gym because you didn't have as much pain, will actually be worse than it was before. And that's just simply because you're using it in a gym and not in a study, and you haven't got an ongoing issue that's been medically prescribed for. Something else, Steve, and you and I talked about this. The difference between the under 40s and over 40s in terms of their experience on DECA. So I'll let Steve address the uh, under 40s and DECA Dick, and I'll address the over 40s. So the reality of this situation is when it comes to nature, us 35, 40 plus athletes, and I'm including myself because my use of DECA and SUS together was in my mid 40s. Steve says quite properly in the pre-show, the over 40s, they rave about it because they feel better. When you're getting through an age, and it, it happens to all of us guys, when you're getting out of chairs, when when you're finished in a long journey in a car, whatever else, when you're younger, it's nothing. You get out and you dance and you do crazy stuff or whatever else. When you get to a certain age, and it's just human nature, just normal stuff, you creak when you get up. You you wake with certain situations. You you feel if the wind changes, you can feel kind of creaky, naked, whatever else. And Deco is one of those drugs that the over 40s, the over 35s, and especially the over 50s, they're kind of like, yeah, I feel great on it. Those aches and pains are gone. The little niggles, and I mean the little niggles, not the worn joints, it's just the little niggles disappear, and they love it. And I certainly, my, 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 at 280, 300 pounds, when I was peaking in my strength, I wasn't really having those aches and pains I do now, but I didn't really in those days. And I, I combined with stuff, I thought it was amazing. Now, Steve, what about the under 40s and the potential issue and it is a potential issue, as you know, because we've discussed this already, uh, for Decadic. That so, apply to NPP yeah. as much as it doesn't. So here's the thing with Decadic. I'm going to tell you guys exactly why the premise behind Decadic happens. And I'm going to explain to you why the younger generation, my theory as to why younger, younger guys, most of you who listen to this, you know, obviously, you know, you're between 20 and 55. And we have a lot of 20-somethings that listen to this, a lot of 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings, and even guys in the 60s are listening to this show. So there may be, um, you know, a generational gap with, 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 with using nandrolones. And the younger guys may steer away from it. So, you know, we'll talk about why in a second. But let me explain Decadig. Let me explain why Decadig happens um, to some guys out there. Um, number one, a lot of it is psychological. We know that. A lot of times when you're when you're talking about 
you know, your, your sexual health, a lot of it is psychological. Um, when you first yes. meet someone and, oh my God, you're in love with them. You can't get enough of them. I mean, it's like, boom, you can get it up like right away. There is no decadic, no, no erectile problems at all. And then you start dating them for a few months and the, the attraction might drop a little bit. The, the, the excitement might drop a little bit and you might start having some, some issues in that department. So a lot of it is psychological. Yep. And then you break Nobody. up, you break up for a year. And then a year later you hook up one night and the sex is fantastic again. Like what the hell just happened? It's the same chick that you were sick of a year ago, but now yep. the yep. sex is, happens all the time. It's definitely psychological. So that's part of it. But the other part of it from the scientific nature is that when you're running a nandrolone, nandrolones convert to what's called dihydronandolone in the body, DHN. And what yep. happens is if that floods your body, it will offset DHT in the body. So if you're sensitive to DHT, now those of you who have ever run Provirin and you've noticed, oh my God, I get rock hard boners on Provirin. I get sexual boosts in, in Provirin. It's like instantly within days on Provirin, you get that boost. You're going to be most sensitive to the other direction of running Nandrolones because what happens is you get the opposite effect. You, you don't get DHT go up when you run Nandrolones. You get DHN go up. So to way to... I've always said, okay, for the past decade on forums and on these podcasts, the way you offset any chance of decadic happening is all you got to do on cycle is run a DHT derivative with the nandrolone. So in this case, for every 100 milligrams of nandrolone a week that you're going to run, I want you to run 10 milligrams of provirin. So if you run 500 milligrams of nandrolone, then you're going to run 50 milligrams of provirin. And that will balance things out and you won't have to worry about Decadic. Now, the third shot thing is the younger generation. All this that I'm saying has caused the younger guys to be like, oh my God, I don't want to dec run Deca. I'm scared of Deca. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's no reason to be scared of it. If you run it correctly, the way we're going to tell you to run it and give you ideas yes. on running, you won't have any issues. You'll love Deca. Deca will make you feel great. The mood, your mood will feel great. Your sexual health should feel great on it. It did for me. It did for Mobster. Yeah, Our yeah, sexual yeah, health no was fine yeah, on DECA. Yeah. It will make you have a boost in appetite. So if you want to bulk, it's a great option. If you want to do strength, it's a great option. So it really is a great steroid. And it doesn't cause these devastating side effects that other guys experience with other steroids. So we'll talk about how to stack in a bit. So I'll bring Bat Monster back in. What do you think of, about that? And add to add to what I, I said. I agree 100 percent As Steve says, I was giving some rather crude off-air descriptions to Steve just to illustrate. I mean, as a plus 40 person at the time when I used DECA, uh, as I say, the, the longer acting version instead of NPP, I, I, I my my libido remained the same as it was before. I wasn't in fact, I've <laughs> as Steve knows, I was more sexually active off drugs when I came here to Wales, uh, and I don't think I'd done any kind of cycles for a while, uh, than I was when I was on uh, drugs in Gloucester. I was busy, I was competing, there was stuff going on. I ended up with my head up my ass, mental depression, whatever, towards the end of my time there for various reasons. And my libido stayed the same throughout the whole time. There's no change in frequency, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when I come up here with no steroids, no performance enhancing drugs, uh, no intention of competing, et cetera, et cetera. I rediscovered my, my sexual urges when it came to women. 
because the physical stuff that I was doing for myself, so so to put it, stayed the same as I say already. So to me, the nitty gritty of that, guys, is there's an enormous. There's there's two things really. One is the psychological. If you took Decker or MPP and struggled one day to get it hard done, it's not the end of the world, guys. It's one day. It's one time. And as Steve said, if there was a situation where you are in what's called the honeymoon period, so to put it crudely again, you're shagging. You want you, you want to breathe her breath in. You are so obsessed with this new girl. Maybe you're newly married. Maybe it's just the, your dream lover or whatever. Then then you can't stand to be away from her. That she's only got to look at you in the supermarket and you get a boner. And now you take Decker, and that doesn't happen one time. So what? It's, it's so psychological. There's something I described to Steve, and that this whether you're on Decker or NPP or not, all right? So the, the nature makes these changes to your body for particular reasons. If, for example, you were shagging like in the honeymoon period when it could be six times a day, seven days a week, if you continue to do that, guys, you'd wear yourself, you'd wear it, you'd wear yourself out. And it would be too much. The feeling and the sensation to the emotions would be too much. So it's fantastic, but it's normal for that stuff to ease off. Don't confuse that and maybe like a one-time, not, not, can't get a hard on, especially if you're shagging like it's going out of fashion, because you used a form of DECA. If you could decanate whether the short or longer acting version, it's it's just normal. And I'll give you an example, guys. As I said to Steve in the pre-show, scientific stuff. You can look this up. It's not bullshit. Uh, testosterone levels adjust in accordance to your situation. So I went with normal levels of libido, came up here and shagged everything within 40 miles, uh, five in a week, two in a day, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I've calmed right down from that situation. My testosterone levels, no doubt, adjusted. If you go from a promiscuous situation, as I said for myself just then, to, for example, becoming a father and wanting to live with and or marry the, 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 the lady in question, your testosterone levels will naturally adjust downwards. Otherwise, what would happen with all men, not just a few, but all men, would be that you will be living with this woman, father of the child, but still out tracing skirt. Now, some fellas are like that, but most of us calm down, and that's perfectly normal. So it's it's very, very easy, and it's especially addressing you younger guys. The older guys should know this stuff already. As the younger guys, it's it unbelievably connected to the psychological and mental versus the physical. If you're fit, if you're strong, if you're training, if your nutrition's on point, there would have to be something to matter with you for it to be an issue, and it's not necessarily decadent. So look at what else you're doing. If you use another recreational drugs, if you're training like a madman for a competition, if your diet is, has you hungry all the time, if your work levels are crazy, if you're doing tons of overtime, if your stress is all over the place, don't blame the DECA. It's that if you've got a death in a family, you've got someone seriously ill, your head's messed up every single day, don't blame the DECA. It's that. So keep that in mind, guys. The psychological, the mental is a huge part of how our body responds sexually. You might, and we've actually said this on the forum, slightly tongue-in-cheek, see, sometimes you just fall out of love. Sometimes that person just actually so much every single day that you have to take a step back. And then as Steve said, you can see the same person six months, eight months later, hook up again, and it's like you're back to that honeymoon period all over again. And that proves just how physical uh, the mental stuff is and how not, you know, seeing it every single day versus not seeing it suddenly the hunger comes back and so on and so forth. So guys, that's just a quick word of advice for you. 
in terms of dosing, Steve, uh, I, I, my, I've, I've run the numbers on this before. My SAS Deca cycle, I think, totaled uh, 675 or 765 milligrams a week. That's the highest amount of any pre-performance enhancer drugs I've ever run. And uh, Deca, as Steve said already, the great advantage, especially for the golden olders, and for me on Deca versus MPP again, was only needing to dose twice a week. Uh, I believe Monday and a Thursday in that particular case versus MPP, which I'd probably need to put those three times a week. And again, I'm not a fan of pinning too frequently. If I don't have to, I won't. So yeah, I'd probably choose Decker over MPP if only for that reason. But as Steve said, again, there will always be situations when you want to adjust dosages, when you want to be pinning more frequently, when you want the half-life to be shorter. And MPP is a great choice in that situation. Back to you. Let's go over some cycle ideas that I have. So, um, you know, one of the most basic ways to run it is you can use some testosterone, quote unquote, as your base, um, even though you don't need to run testosterone as your base. That's that's a myth. But in this case, you can run, say, 100 or 125 milligrams a week of testosterone. Short acting testosterone or long acting testosterone really doesn't matter um, in this case. And then you use the MPP, um, you know, between 300 to 400 milligrams, that would be an average dose per week. And then you can pin the testosterone. If you're using a testosterone propionate, you would pin it, you know, every other day or three times a week. And then the MPP, you want to pin it uh, two to three times a week. That would, that would suffice. And then, as I said earlier, you want to run a proviron with it. So the more of the MPP you're going to run, the more proviron you run. So in this case, you're going to run 30 to 40 milligrams of proviron. Um, and if you don't have that available in 10 milligrams, you would run, if you just have 25 milligrams, then you would run it somewhere between 25 and 50 milligrams, either one or two, two proviron a day. And that would be stack number one. So jump in mobster with that. And I'll give you a couple more. Well, stacks. I, I just, my thought process is Steve is if I, if I'm going to run MPP as a short or a shorter, still four and a half day half-life, acting uh, ester, then I'm probably going to want to run a, a, a shorter acting, shorter half-life form of test with it. Because, I mean, I say this all the time, guys. When I structure a cycle, for me, there has to be specifics. I'm looking to gain strength. Therefore, what drugs am I going to use? It's going to be strength-enhancing drugs. I don't need to put on another 10 or 15 pounds, so I don't need anything that's going to bulk me up. Uh, and, and, and again, in this, this is an example, um, if my choice was there for something that I could have in my system for a shorter period of time, then the testosterone that I'm going to act, choose to go with it would probably be the same. Because after all, why would I want something that's long acting on one side and short acting on the other? The only time, and it wouldn't apply to me specifically for my strength and what I'm after for, uh, would be for, let's say, for example, we talked about this in previous show, Steve, a competition uh, cycle. And then again, that's one of the things NPP would be probably more useful again, uh, because as Steve said already, shorter acting and with competition, I can take it out. I'm going to know ahead of time how long it's going to take to leave my system. I'm going to know what's happening in regards to other drugs. And as I said on previous show, the idea being again, that by the time I start to decide if I was ever to do so, Steve, to compete as a bodybuilder, I would want to have experience of all the drugs that I'm going to put into my competition cycle in order to know how my body responds to them to bring myself to as best I possibly could the peak of perfection on a day. Now that sometimes can be very confusing 
And that's why guys come on the forums and ask, even if they know the specific drugs. And it's especially true when you're doing multiple drugs and uh, combinations to try and, and get it. And this is, of course, why gurus, uh, even top professionals, we use gurus because it's very much the, being able to take a step back, seeing how the body responds and manipulate those variables. Again, to hopefully thin skin, full, full, full thing. The muscles look absolutely amazing and you're really, really popping on stage. So for me, this would be, again, I would say, I would, my thought process would all be, if I'm going to use something that's got a relatively short half-life, like MPP, then why would I want to use a long-acting uh, testosterone for the same, you know, it wouldn't make no sense to me. I want both those things to be sure. If I, if I want the stuff in my system for longer, if I'm getting specific particular benefits out of a longer actinista, then I'd probably use DECA over uh, MPP. And again, I'm not a big fan of pinning. So you have those advantages. The, the bigger thing of it is, Steve, that both things are available. But as per the reference in the article that we're using to, to discuss here today, uh, it, it was used by athletes. And I think when we say athletes, we're talking about runners and, and, and actual people that are on, on, on an athletic field versus um, guys that are looking to grow in the off-season, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that DECA, the longer-acting version, has always been, to the best of my knowledge, a more popular drug. Now, I know that MPP's got fans because I've seen them talking about it on the forum, but all things being considered. I think maybe the only possible other variable is Steve would be the age thing that we talked about before, because ultimately you're still going to get the benefits from both versions. But I think maybe the younger guys might be more likely to try MPP, whereas the older guys are going to know how they feel on DECA and stick with what they know. They, they're after that feel good. And especially, as Steve said, if it's that much longer to get out of the system, you're going to get the feel good factor that much longer. So that makes a lot of sense to me as well, Steve. Those two different versions, the short, the long. So let me give you a couple more cycles um, that I really like. So in our last podcast, we talked about Anadrol. That was podcast 11, the IO podcast 11. We talked about Anadrol. And Anadrol is a great oral steroid, and it's a DHT derivative. So if you run DECA by itself with Anadrol, that would be a wonderful way to do it because now you're covering up you're getting oh, that DHT effect from the anadrol. So you could run the MPP for like six weeks and then run the anadrol, say at 25 milligrams the whole way through with it. And that would be a really, really good cycle right there. If you want to yeah. bulk, that would be a great, great cycle. And that would be one of the few things that I ever tell you to stack with anadrol because anadrol is not a great one to stack other things with because of the side effects. But DECA, this is where DECA, uh, the, I'm sorry, nandrolone phenylpropia, NPP, I keep, we keep, we keep talking, going back to talking about DECA, but, you know, because we're so used to calling it that, but nandrolone phenylpropia, NPP, which is what we're talking about in this podcast, it stacks well with anadrol for that reason and anadrol stacks really 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 good with with mpp it's one of the few their mpps are one of the few steroids that i would ever tell you to stack with anadrol now the other steroid stack that i would tell you to run would be running trenbolone acetate and then npp together so you would do say 250 milligrams of each or 300 milligrams of each somewhere around there if it's your first time stacking them, what a great cycle to run together. And you could just run that cycle for like six, seven weeks and you will have tremendous results. Like you will have results across the board running them together. They stack beautifully. Now, a lot of people are going to, 
are going to disagree with me and say, oh, you're not supposed to stack uh, Tremblo with Deca. Oh, that's a, you're not supposed to stack Tremblo with NPP. You're not supposed to stack Tremblo with any Nandrolone at all. What are you, what are you crazy? It's yeah. just not true. They stack beautifully together. You're stacking an androgen like Trembolone with an anabolic mild compound like NPP. So they, it's like, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect synergy to stack them together. So if you've experienced NPP before and you've experienced Trembolone before, give them both a shot running them together. And it's really simple, 250 or 300 of each per week and you're good to go, you know? And you'll have a tremendous cycle you don't have to run it very long you'll have great results in a short amount of time in and out quick run the acetate and then run the npp phenylpropionate so monster why don't you touch on that a little bit and also kind of finish out the podcast telling us your own experiences with nandrolone and what happened with you like with me i noticed it was a mild compound slow builder keepable gains i was able to put on strength my appetite was up there's a lot of good things that happen using nanolone for me, but kind of tell, tell the audience before we wrap up what happened yeah. to you and kind of tell, say the positives about nanolone. Finish this off with that. I'm, I'm tempted, Steve, as you, if we talk about certain drugs in, in these various podcasts, and I say to myself, if I was a fan of Pinny more frequently, I can only imagine, especially earlier in my lifting career, my, my lifting lifetime, if you like, uh, the, being on MPP, for example, and Anadrol at the same time, as Steve mentioned just now, that would be to me an amazing cycle. Fortunately for me, my personal experience was with the slower acting DECA and Sustanon. And as we say, Sustanon, which I mentioned already, is a combination of different esters. So my personal experience at the time, right. I didn't have joint issues at the time because I don't think I'd worn myself out, Steve. So I, I, it wasn't an issue for me in terms of it masking any particular pain. The only problem, and as I mentioned before, I went from a solid 280 pounds to 300 pounds. And I think that cycle was in total, I'm going to say six or eight weeks. It's a long time ago. I was in my mid 40s and I'll be 58 uh, in about 10 days time. So uh, we're talking 12, 13 years ago. But I'm, I'm thinking six to eight weeks. And it was for specific competition. And I blew up. In fact, I had a bet, an informal bet, with a buddy of mine about the first person to get to 300 pounds. Now, he's a lot shorter than me, but he ended up with a virus in the last week. And I think I was from, went from 200 to 300.1 pounds for the win. And he come in bless, I think he was like 297, 298. Slightly disconcerting because two other fellas turned up, one that was competing and his buddy, and one was 320 pounds, and his buddy was 330 pounds. So I've gone from, yay, the winner, to second and third. I didn't have a bet with those guys, but I lost on that, on that particular level, psychologically, if nothing else. Uh, yeah, I mean, the other, do you know what the biggest problem was, Steve? Because I wasn't aiming to keep that muscle tissue. I wasn't aiming to keep that size. The biggest problem, the negative, was gaining 20 pounds in six to eight weeks. And what do I mean by that, guys? My gym was in a warehouse across the road from my house. I lived in a little two up, two down, as we say here in the UK, a little terraced house at that time. And the gym was in the warehouse across the road, which we rented. Training was no problem. All my best lifts were done on that cycle. I don't think it'd be any different on MPP, the short racing versus the Deca that I used at the time. So my 190 bench press was done on that. Some of my best deadlifts done around that period of time 
some of the big international competitions, Steve, when I was going to America, when I was lifting at Arnold, when I was lifting in uh, Georgia, when I was lifting in Spain, all of that stuff, the peak of my career, if you like, the, 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 the expo work, all of that was done around that time. I can only think of a couple of things that came after. So in terms of my peak physical strength and the enormous amount of size put on for a brief period of time, it would have been on Sust and Decker. So MPP would be no difference in terms of the game. Biggest problem, as I say, was just literally walking up and down the stairs. I gained 20 pounds in six to eight weeks. So walking up and down the stairs, it takes me, and I've addressed this on the forums recently, if I gain five pounds, I don't feel normal in terms of function and stretching, flexibility, cardiovascular, et cetera. It takes me about 90 days, Steve. It takes me about three months to for my body to accommodate it in terms of bone, connective tissue, just being straight, good old-fashioned, comfortable walking around. Now, I'm heavier right now than I was back then, and I've been heavier than I am right this minute. I've been 331. I was 313 yesterday, Friday. Uh, so I'm still heavier than then, but my body's got used to it. So the one negative for me, Steve, was huge size. Putting on a lot of weight very quickly, not needing to retain it. Otherwise, I'd have probably tried to keep a few of those pounds. Just walking up and down the stairs, one flight, 20 steps up. It was just hard work. I wasn't used to it. And that was outside the gym. So you're not you're not in, in, in training mode. So there's, there's your positive and negatives. But actual in the gym stuff, probably my best ever all-round combination of strength and power was around that time. I was with the right people. I was training with world-class athletes. The guys were coming down from all over the country, was kicking ass, basically. And most of those guys, even now, Steve, what's fascinating about that particular group at that particular time, while I was on Sustendecker, is a lot of those guys are still national standard athletes. They're still out there kicking ass. Some of them have been on TV for MMA. Some of them are world-class uh, martial artists, uh, one or two of them have been to the World Strongest Man competition and competed, and that was their group. So Sus, Decker, combination of huge size, lots of weight, lots of power, and being surrounded by those particular people. So, yeah, definitely in an ass-kicking mode for me. I don't know necessarily that I was increasingly aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. Never had those particular issues, not really on any uh, performance-enhancing drug. Let's just be down to my nature. So for me, yes, Steve, overall, I, 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 for me, and again, I, I was in my, my mid-40s then, um, in terms of the pain reduction and feeling good, like Steve said, there's us older gentlemen, the more mature athlete, fantastic. So highly recommended, as far as I've said. I've said many times on the Steve, those combination of drugs was probably my favourite cycle ever. I know what I get out of Debo and Anivar. I know what I've had out of Halo testing and check drops in terms of competition and stuff. Sustan Decker for me was an absolute golden cycle. And I think that the only, the only reason I wouldn't want to use MPP is I, because everything else would be the same, is I just wouldn't want to pin more frequently. But it has the great advantage of being out of your system quicker this time overall. I think I'm it's good. Say, I, let me just say this. Good. I'll let you finish. If you, yeah. you know, if your first time using Nandrolone, I think, I think MPP is a smart choice just because it's out of your yes. system a lot quicker. Because you got to remember, if you run the long version of the of Nandrolone Decadurabolin or Nandrolone Decanate, as some people call it, it's going to take yeah. many, 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 many weeks to clear your system once you stop. And you're not going to be able to start recovering until you come off of it. But MPP is going to be out of your system in about three weeks. 
So once you stop injecting it, three weeks later, it's going to be out of your system. Then your body can start, you know, recovering. So I think it's a really smart choice, especially if you're new, new to uh, using nandrolones. And then from there, if you really like it, then you can switch over to DECA, at, you know, exactly. at a later time. But so I think I think it's that's where the huge advantage is. So give give it a shot. Give nandrolone phenylpropionate a shot. I think if more people did, they would really, really enjoy it. So yeah, finish I'll, this off. I'll I'll yeah. yeah, I'll finish off. Steve's quite correct. And it's some piece of advice we give you guys in this podcast before. And I've mentioned this when I've talked about competition cycle. You wanted to know how your body performs, how you respond, whether you have issues, whether you have side effects. You want to know all those things well in advance of doing a competition cycle. I don't want to be retaining water in the last few days of a bodybuilding competition, for example. I don't. I don't want to have issues where I'm super irritated or uh, the, the post-injection pain from a drug is awful and I can't handle it. Uh, and for example, the transomnia, I don't want to be doing a drug where the sweats are too much. And especially so if it's a longer acting version, as Steve said. So it's a, it's a great piece of advice there, Steve. That for, for all arguments, especially if you've not used a version of a drug before and you want to know how you're going to respond to it, then a shorter acting, Quicker in and quicker out makes a lot of sense, Steve, for that particular reason. And then as Steve says, if you find out that you do really well on it, it ends up being one of your favorite kind of drugs, then take the longer acting version. The only time that if any of those things might be a potential issue, I can only think of one or two, and I don't think it really applies in this example, would be if you're attested, because I think both versions are equally as bad in terms of getting you caught, Steve. I don't think there's really an issue here. And I'm happy to be corrected by listeners with regards to testing. I think both drugs are going to be quite easy to find. You really don't want to use them if you're in a drug tested situation. And I don't think it makes any particular difference whether it's a short or, or, or a longer acting version uh, because of the length of time that you can be tested for. I would, if back in the day, would have done, Steve, the, the short acting version of the quicker at your system and therefore would be less likely to sharpen the test. But as I said in other podcasts, Steve, Go back two years now with these samples, guys, and they're just getting better and better and better. So the idea that you're using a short reactive version uh, just as a way of avoiding the tests, as we would say here in the United Kingdom, is a mug's game. It's not going to make any difference. It would have done, but it doesn't anymore. Overall, for me, and I think Steve as well, MPP, whether it's the short, short reacting MPP or the longer acting DECA, great drug. My, one of my favorites, all things being equal, I would, my preference would be for the longer acting, purely and simply because that's one of my experiences. But if I was a new guy, I would try MVP. Overall results would be the same. And for me, uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. I said it a million times, you won't hear me say any different. And you're, you're welcome to come and check out in the forums to see what I've said for longer versions of this conversation about my personal experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that's it, Steve. Shall we go to the disclaimer? Yep, hit it. Right. Please note, guys, we're not doctors and our opinions are hours and hours alone. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic and podcasts of informational purpose and entertainment only, the freedom of speech as the First Amendment applies.